Welcome to oh, hey there. episode 22, the Matt Breida edition. 22, Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson on, is baby. number 22. It's, it's 2021, oh. man. Throw 2019 out the window, Javi. No Matt Breida. It is Jeff okay. Wilson. Okay. It is Jeff Wilson, the Jeff Wilson edition. Uh, you guys are familiar with that voice. My guy, Leo Luna, is back off podcast paternity leave. I don't even know if that's a real thing. But uh, shout out to SB Nation and uh, Rob and Vish last week for filling in nicely for Leo. Leo is back this week. Uh, we are not recording any video for this, but if you are, if you saw the post on Twitter, Leo looks like he hasn't slept in a week. But before we get started on the game, Leo, how is fatherhood again with the second child? You're starting over. How's yeah. the baby? How's the wife? How are you? Yeah. Um, he sleeps fine. He doesn't just start crying for no reason um like 49ers twitter at time to times but it, it's usually it's just because he's hungry or we're changing his diaper so he he's a real chill baby uh definitely leo jr in that aspect so i appreciate it i'm gl- i'm just glad to be back because man that last episode with fish was crazy insane i was like Javi's just trying to put me on the hot seat all of a sudden uh so that was a great episode shout out for bitch for joining on a short notice there um but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be back, talk some football. You know, I was talking to my son uh, during the game on Sunday. Not sure how much he retained of it since he is only 11 days old at the moment. But here we go, baby. He got his first win as a Niner fan. I'm excited. The, this train keeps rolling. 49ers won, what, five of their last seven now? So let, let's keep it going. Yeah, 11 days old and number 11 has the walk-off touchdown. Look at that. Um, the Niners do pull off the win in overtime, 26-23. to 23. A game that probably should have never gotten to overtime had Robbie Gold done his job. We'll get to Robbie Gold here in a minute. And then also the Niners, just way they handled that entire last, you know, 13, 14 minutes of the game. You go into the fourth quarter up 20 to six, and you allow 14 points scored. So. The uh, Bengals end up tying the game 20 to 20. We go into overtime. Obviously, Robbie Gold misses the field goal before the uh, end of regulation. And here we go. Now we're all high stakes. This was the first game this year that, outside of the, the Trey Lance start, that I actually got off my couch because this game started getting my heart racing, my pump, my blood flowing because there was a lot of big plays. There were some plays left out on the field. Jimmy was taking sacks. We're sacking Joe Burrow. Guys dropping the ball, near interceptions. There's a lot going on in this game for as good and as sloppy as it was. The Niners showed, which is kind of what we've been talking about. They can beat anyone, but they can lose to anyone. And this game was kind of like, all right, cool. We're going to beat the crap out of you in the first half, but then we're also going to show you our bad side in the second half with how inconsistent the offense got, how stagnant it got. And then when they needed it the most, shout out to Jimmy Garoppolo. He got the job done twice, and I will give him credit for two times winning the game because he got the team into field goal range to have the walk-off field goal to end the game in regulation. Okay, Robbie, you didn't do your job, so offense has to step up after the 49ers defense holds the uh, Bengals to a field goal. What did you take away from this game, Leo? Is this Niners team poised to make a run? Is this team more than what what they've shown through 14 weeks? I mean... From what we've seen from this team from the previous weeks, it's easy for them to fold at that point. You gave up a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter, and then the Bengals get the ball first, get a field goal. So you needed something at that point. And even if you would have just got a field goal in return, there's a high chance that Bengals go down there and get another field goal to win the game. So to me, it just showed grit. It showed a new way that this team can win. They didn't pull it out against the Seahawks previously. They didn't pull it out against the the Cardinals week five. They didn't pull it out against against the Packers week three. So it to me it showed that it was a new way that this team can win to where you're up in the game and then you give up the lead. Um and they still came back and won. So it, to me it was just a new opportunity to reach the goals and and places you want to achieve you got to lose in all kind of ways. Well, it's better to not lose in all kind of ways, but you you have to win in every single way. If you don't figure out all those ways that you can win, you're not going to reach your true potential as a team. You're going to end up 
uh, nine and eight or eight and nine if you don't win in those other type of variable ways, especially when you give up a, a two score lead in the fourth quarter. So that this 49er team did that. And it was actually funny watching it uh, this game because my wife was there with me while I had it on the TV, whether she was paying attention or not, that's a different subject. And she just glanced up at the score and she's like, man, the 49ers are killing them 20 to six. I was like, hold on. I'm nervous. I'm nervous about this. It, it, over. This is not over. It over. Next, you know, they get a touchdown. They get the second touchdown. And and now I'm just bugged out. Look, see, look, this is why I said I was nervous. The 49ers weren't killing them. It's a 20 to 20 game now. Um, but they you you saw Fred Warner's reaction after the coin toss in the, in overtime. The 49ers yeah. wanted no business of getting the Bengals the ball. Uh Nick Bosa is basically Man, he he is he the best edge rusher in the league right now? Is he do the 49ers win without that third down play? No, they don't win without that third down play from Nick he, Bosa. Their stars made plays when they needed them. You needed a play yeah. from Debo, you got touched. You needed to play from Kittle, you had several <laughs> of them. You needed to play from Ayuk, you got it. You got to play from Aziz, you got to play from Fred, you got to play from Bosa. So your stars, your core unit. Jimmy Ward as well. Got it done. Jimmy Ward played a hell of a game. Trent Williams, I'm re I was rewatching the game um this morning, some of it throughout the day with the game tape. Trent Williams is an absolute cheat code of left tackle. He doesn't even block people anymore. He just throws them around like ragdolls. I don't know how you can throw another 350 pound man the way he does. But your stars stepped up when they needed to. Unfortunately, though, for the Niners. They have some rookie growing pains to get through with their cornerback situation. Got some rookie growing pains, or not rookie growing pains. They have their growing pains, or just their pains with their right side of the offensive line. Daniel Brunskill and Compton were not very good in the pass protection on Sunday. Jimmy Garoppolo was sacked five times, and a lot of times on third down when you don't need those sacks, and that was a tough situation. That's part of the reason why the Niners allowed the Bengals to come back in that game. Also. The Bengals made an adjustment and said, hey, look, let's attack this pass defense and get some of these bigger uh, explosive plays down the field, and they got that done. T. Higgins up the seam literally was wide open all day. Jamar Chase is a very, very good wide receiver. Um, so there's there just a lot of things in this game that could be cleaned up, but the Niners did pull it out. Um, I wanted to get to Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, he has on the season 14 sacks, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. 14 sacks in 14 games. Or in 14 weeks, so essentially a sack a game. He leads, the, I don't not lead the league, but he is in the in the roughly right around 50 to 55 pressures on the season. He is an absolute monster. Will I say he's the best defensive end in the league? I don't know. Miles Garrett still exists. <laughs> Micah Parsons is having a really great season. Uh, Joey Bosa is having a really good. There's a lot of really good edge rushers. Is Nick Bosa top three? I will give him top three. Absolutely. He's a technician, and what he's done this season has been remarkable. And I like the fact that he's been able to get a sack a game. It shows he's consistent. You know, it's not getting like a Chandler Jones five sacks in one week, and then we don't see another sack for another five or six weeks. Nick is getting a sack when they need it at the right time, and he's getting one one per week. So I'll give Nick Bosa top three for sure. That's fair. That's fair. Um he he is currently fifth in the league in terms of total pressures behind guys like Trey Hendrickson, who's actually looks like he's worth the contract there in Cincinnati. I wish he I did like him coming out of Louisiana Tech, I believe it was, when he went to the New Orleans Saints, had a career year last year. Like you said, Miles Garrett still exists. He's in front of Bosa. So is Shaquille Barrett. And I don't even feel like mentioning Max Crosby because that is a soft subject to some 49ers and Raider fans considering since Bosa and Crosby were drafted the same year. But, man, I, I just don't know where this team would be without Nick Bosa there. Um, I, and I yeah. think that's where you're seeing guys like Arden Key play at a much higher level than essentially he has in his entire career. Uh, partially was because mm -hmm. he was with the Raiders, but... Partially, it's also because he's on the opposite side of a Nick Bosa. Um, the way he just takes over that game, he and he makes it look so easy. From first step to finish, power, um, you know, we've seen it from Alden Smith in the past, where these 
these plays yeah. just become easy. Um, but I, it's just been blessed to watch an, Eric, an Alden Smith and now watch a Nick Bosa. It, it's hard to say which one is better from a play-to-play standpoint. Because to me, from a play-to-play standpoint, I think Nick Bosa is affecting the game more than Alden Smith ever has from a play-to-play standpoint. Alden Smith is a generational talent. He's a legend when he was a 49er. But from play-to-play, I can't take my eyes off of 97 because his motor is 100%. Talk about a guy never taking a playoff. That is Nick Bosa here. And and whether he's he's going from side to side now, he's not just sticking to one side of the defensive line, which I think is smart by the 49ers because it, it gives you a, a chance to mess with the offensive protection and or, you know, if a guy with the, the left tackle, now he doesn't have a full game to get familiar with Nick Bosa. He's having to, uh, you know, deal with Nick Bosa partially and then deal with somebody else. So I think that's a fantastic schematic move by D'Amico Ryans. And from play-to-play standpoint, I think Nick Bosa is, you know, one of the best 49ers edge rushers we've ever seen because you want to run the ball on his side best believe 97 is going to be right there ready to make a play as well on the run as we are recording the rams and the cardinals are in the middle of monday football it is 30 to 23 arizona just had a onside kick and arizona just got the ball back so i hate even saying this on the niner nation podcast but let's go arizona because i do want the niners to catch the rams to get the five seed to play the dallas cowboys in the first round of the playoffs I'll, that'll be the end of me ever cheering for another NFC West team. While we're on the Bosa subject, the defensive line had had themselves a day. I'm going to go over the pressure listings according to PFF. DJ Jones, one pressure. Contavia Street, two pressures. Charles Amenehu, a nice addition thus far, has had two pressures on Sunday. Arden Key, three pressures. Ibukum, four pressures. His best outing as a Niner. Eric Armstead, four. Nick Bosa with nine. To add to the to the the lore and the the legend of Nick Bosa, um, I shouldn't even say legend, but just his season. Nick Bosa is one of two players this year to log a sack, to log five plus sacks from either side of the defensive line. So it means he's getting them from the left or he's getting them from the right. The other player, a guy that I really really wanted in the draft a couple years ago, Harold Landry. So. If John Lynch or Jed York is listening to this podcast um, as a Christmas wish that you can get me late in March, <laughs> can you please say Harold Landry? You should have drafted him instead of Dante Pettis. Yeah. But whatever, when you need an edge rusher. But, hey, no one just beats out Cassius Marsh, though, right? Oh, no. Nobody beats out Cassius Marsh, dude. Are you kidding me? When is his number being retired, by <laughs> the way? When, when is he going up in the ring of honor? That's crazy. Just, just karate kicks um, alone. Karate kicks alone. The, the karate kicks were epic. Um, just a couple more things with Nick Bosa here. Um, so Nick Bosa leads the NFL in tackles for loss. He has 18. And Nick Bosa is number two in total sack yard loss, only behind Micah Parsons by one yard. Micah Parsons has 115 yards in sack yard loss. Nick Bosa is at 114. The next closest is Robert Quinn at 96. So, Nick Bosa is getting the sacks when you need them, and they're making their big sacks. So, Nick Bosa is in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he's also should be in the running for Comeback Player of the Year because of the ACL tear in 2020. Um, he is everything you wanted in the number two overall pick from a few years ago. The man is an absolute stud. Probably the best player on the 49ers defense. I wouldn't say he's the best player on the 49ers team because Trent Williams is alive and breathing, but Nick Bosa is an absolute stud. He's going to get a large payday for what he's done this season. Um, you're the one who always asks me the questions, but I'm going to ask you one here. Can Nick Bosa finish the season with 20 sacks? We have four games left. Quarterbacks that he would have to play. Matt Ryan coming up. Mm-hmm. You got either Tyrod Taylor or Davis Mills from the Texans. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford. He has 14 on the year. He needs six more in four games. Can he get there? Six in four games. 
so that's tough. That's t- to say six and four games is easy. Ah, man, it has. I'm gonna have to look. Does has he done this on the season yet? I, I believe so. But six and four games. I'm gonna say yeah. Mainly so because of the quarterbacks that he's playing and the offensive lines that he's playing, which the Falcons is the next one. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes out and gets three sacks against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, the Tennessee Titans. Without Derrick Henry, their 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 pat their offensive line has been been able to be had when they haven't played against a, a non Jacksonville Jaguars team. Houston Texans, Davis Mills doesn't need to be said more than that. And the Los Angeles Rams, yeah, it, it, that one's going to be a great matchup because um, you know the Rams are going to want to get it out quick with Matthew Stafford hit Cooper Cup in the slot or Eldell Beckham. Um, but six and four games, I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to say, yes, he'll get six sacks in four games. Um, he's, he's done that this year. Actually his last four games, he's gotten six sacks. He's got two against Jacksonville, one against Minnesota, one against Seattle and two versus the Bengals. So there you go. His last four games equals six sacks. I'm going to say he continues that in his next four games is going to equal six sacks, um, preferably in that same order, which that same order would equal two against the Falcons, two one against the Titans, one against the Texans, and two against the Rams. Uh, I would prefer that one uh, very, very much. But yeah, it's it's going to come down to also the other guys. Arden Key to keep playing the way he is. Eric Armstead to, to play at a higher pass rush level. Uh, DJ Jones, he's flash. So I, I think that there could be potential there, depending on how the other guys plays. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say it happens that Nick Bosa is gonna get that 20 mark. Um, if not, I think 19 would be. He's gonna be right there. He's definitely gonna finish it with 19. 20 is gonna be the test for Nick Bosa, I believe. Okay, so the next four teams as of week 14. According to Football Outsiders, so this is just a ranking on their pass protection for the offensive line. Atlanta is ranked 19th. Mm-hmm. Houston, 29th. Tennessee, 26th. And then the Los Angeles Rams are third for pass protection. Yep. So he's got three games against subpar, well below average offensive lines, and then of course, the Matthew Stafford-led Rams are number three. I'm going to say he gets to 20. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to give it the over. He's going to get 20 and a half. And he's going to end the season with 20 and a half sacks and probably 20, 2022 tackles for losses. He's going to have a monster year. This is who he is, and I think he's only getting better week to week. He's warming up. Had he not tripped a couple times on Sunday... He probably has four sacks in that game. We can by say himself. that every game with him. So that's the crazy. We can say it every game. Okay, if he doesn't trip, um, if Ambry Thomas, if Ambry Thomas doesn't get a penalty, he gets another sack, and we're talking about a yeah. three sack game. Um, we can say this every yeah. single week with Nick Bosa. Like, man, there was two two more on the table for this guy. That's that's it's an, he's a stud, man. It's insane. Yeah, Nick Bosa is definitely going to be in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year. Um, does he win defensive player of the year? I don't know. Michael Parsons is having himself a monster year. Could he win defensive rookie of the year and defensive player of the year? Possibly. But Nick Bosa is absolutely in the running. Um, Tennessee is number one in the league in sacks allowed with 28 on the year. That's six more than the number two Seattle Seahawks. That Tennessee game could be a three sack game. They're pretty bad. Um, let's get to the other stud on the offensive side. Joe Staley and the guys at NBC Sports Bay Area had some really good comments on everyone's favorite tight end, the people's tight end, George Kittle. Let's get to their comments. Really, George Kittle put this offense on his back, and he carried this team today, Takia. No, he did, and 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 we talked about it in the pregame show. He's good. You can see the final result of what He's the good. yards. Listen, no, I'm saying the he, man's great. His greatness, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Joe's fired up. We see that. And we say, all right, he had a big game. But what he brings to the table, the attitude, relentless, the, the tenacity, that's contagious to all of the guys. And I think 
it gave Jimmy G confidence the last drive of the game. He went to him two times. Yeah. The announcer said, it's third and five. If you're a DB, you got to know where Kittle was at before the snap, and they still couldn't stop it. It goes to show you how important he is to this football team. And it wasn't just what we saw last week in the play action stuff, the yards after catch. He was running routes down the field, especially in the second half in overtime and making big catches. And to your point, the whole team feeds off of his energy. The whole team feeds off his energy. That's just something that I had brought up late last year. You know, Kittle missed those games with a broken foot. Kittle comes back versus Arizona, and you see the run game is more explosive. You see guys are blocking harder. That is your captain of your offense, right? He is that dominant or that influential on the rest of the roster. And the last two weeks, George Kittle has 22 receptions, 332 yards, and three touchdowns. I'm going to repeat that. 22 receptions, 332 yards, and three touchdowns in the last two weeks. He had 151 on Sunday, 181 against Seattle. George Kittle has been an absolute monster for this team when they needed it, and they got it from their playmaker, their blue chipper, a guy that is, you know, he's got he's taking a lot of criticism, taking a lot of heat about his injuries. But when he's out there, he's an ass kicker. And that's exactly what he did in back-to-back weeks. Now, granted, the Niners did not win the game against Seattle, which they should have. But he has done this. And then on the season, he has 57 receptions, 757 yards, six touchdowns, a career high, and only 10 games played. The crazy part is he only has six touchdowns, and that's a career high because previously it was five, and that just blew my mind, right? And our guy Rob um, brought it up that he wasn't targeted enough in the red zone early on in his career, and he's been targeted in the red zone more so the last couple weeks. Thank God. Um, so six touchdowns in 10 games. We had a, I, I, I don't remember who it was that we said was going to break to a thousand. I asked you I think that you and I, question. I think and it, you said he will. Yeah. And he is, he's getting there. 250 yeah. yards, 250 yards away from breaking a thousand yards. Um, so good thing. I actually, I might actually, if there's a, if there's a prop bet on that, I might put some money on that. He gets to a thousand. Let's get crazy. Let, let's do it. He came back from injury six games ago, so he's played six games since. Let's put up 530 yards and six touchdowns. Let's look at it from a 17-game perspective. We're talking about 1,500 yards on the season and 17 touchdowns by George Kittle. Like I said, let's get crazy. That's what he would do in a 17-game average in this six-game span. So with, with George Kittle... Um, we could say, oh, it's the same, same George Kittle that we've seen before. Same. No, it's not. He's doing things we haven't seen him do before. A la the red zone touchdowns, the career high six touchdowns. And guess what? He's got all six in the last six games, um, on pace to put up 1500 yards, which he's never done before. Oh, here's this back to back 150 receiving yards in a single game. He has never done that in his career. Not not 2018 where he set the tight end record. Not 2019, not 2020. He's done that this year for the first time in his career. Back-to-back 150-plus yard uh, receiving games. So this is not the same George Kittle we've seen. This is a different guy the last six games. And you're talking about you're adding this kind of talent with the Debo Samuel, with an emerging Brandon IU with a potentially healthy Elijah Mitchell and running game. Um, the, the sky's the limit. The, the sky's the limit for this offense, and it, it's going to be up to number 10 to you know take them to that limit and just drive the train and let the, these guys do what they do. Just give them an opportunity to make plays. We understand number 10, Jimmy Garoppolo, is not Kyler Murray. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Aaron Rodgers. That's fine. Just give these guys opportunities and see where they can go. And I think that's why this team is 5-2 and two over the last seven. Yeah, absolutely. George Kittle has been a major, major factor in this. Um, he's going to continue to get better all the way through. Now, with the Niners, it, they didn't, you know, they never come out of game clean. Uh, two injuries to note. Uh, Aziz also here with an elbow sprain. 
and then uh, Ambry Thomas with a concussion. Uh, hopefully Elijah Mitchell is back this week, and hopefully Aziz Alshahir does not have any issues going forward with his elbow. He's always in that wrap. I, I always wonder what the wrap is for on his elbow. Um, now Aziz, did this defense change when Aziz went out? Did you notice that, or was it just me? Because Aziz seems to be probably the second or third best defensive player on this team right now. I'm not going to say second or third yet, quite yet. Uh, I'm going to have to give that nod to Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, and Jimmy Ward. So I'll, I'll settle for fourth. For fourth. He's the fourth best. <laughs> Sorry, I just prices right at you. All right? So he's number four to me. And, yeah, um, Cincinnati did figure out the, the defense a little more, did start putting some touchdowns on the board. But that also comes to where you've been protecting your corner all game in cover two, cover two, cover two. You finally don't give your corner cover two protection, and now they're taking shots down the field or, uh, you know, shots in the middle in a cover two because uh, other guys, not Aziz, aren't in the right position or not necessarily right position, but isn't at a certain depth in coverage. You, you're not five yards where normally back where Aziz would be. Um, so, yeah, not having Aziz on the field is absolutely going to affect this team. Uh, Demetrius Flanagan's Foles is, you know, he's made an NFL career. Salute to him. He's he will dog me in any football game that I ever decide to play against him. Um, but is he a step down from Aziz? Yes, and that's okay to say. Um, so hopefully Aziz can get back on the field as soon as possible, um, and this this defense continue to hum because when you have two guys like a Fred Warren and a Aziz in the middle of the field, it makes things tough. For an offense, because just like for the 49ers, a lot of these other offenses are going to want to attack the middle of the field, especially since a lot of these offenses are taking pieces from Kyle Shanahan, which Kyle Shanahan loves to attack the middle of the field as well. So um, having having Aziz in there is is huge. And then not having Aziz in there is a huge miss. So, yeah, I, I think the Bengals did figure out this defense a little more without him. Hopefully he doesn't miss any any extended period of time, right? Uh, you're going to need him back for going forward, especially with Tennessee coming up and Derrick Henry supposed to be coming back. So who knows if that's true? Uh, the Niners have two games coming up in the next, what, eight? Well, after they play on Sunday, then they have a short week and they go to Tennessee. So probably two games in the next 13 days or so. So that is less than 13 days because you have six. So yeah, it's probably like a 12-day turnaround, 12 days of two games. Um, so this is a real test for the 49ers coming up. So they, they did answer the bell on Sunday with an overtime win. Leo, it's been a while since we've done buy, lease, or, or walk. Mm-hmm. What do we got for this week? So for this week in our edition of buy, lease, and walk off the lot, can this team survive with Ambry Thomas at cornerback two during this game against the Cincinnati Bengals? He was targeted four times. Gave up three receptions, 81 yards, which is equivalent to 27 yards per reception, and a touchdown. NFL passer rating when targeted was a 156.3. That's perfect. That's a perfect passer rating. So can they survive with Ambry Thomas at cornerback two? You'd figure the next two games or so, um, that would be the length of it, and hopefully Emmanuel Mosley can come back after that. Hopefully Emmanuel Mosley can come back because they're going to need him um, down the stretch. You do have Antonio, I'm sorry, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown are still out there. Uh, the Rams look to have gotten their mojo back tonight after beating the Arizona Cardinals. So Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, and that's a pretty tough tandem. Um, Atlanta's pass catchers aren't terrible, but that's just a tough game to call. Um, Dante Johnson did miss Sunday. Uh, his mother did pass away Sunday morning after having a heart attack on Friday. So before we get to the Ambry Thomas part, I do want to send my condolences and my well wishes to the Johnson family. Um, Dante Johnson has been the butt of, uh, a lot of jokes before on his Twitter where he's going to be on this roster to the sun explodes, things like that. But the man has made himself a nice career being just a guy who's always around for the 49ers, right? He's been a guy who's been, not he didn't have to be loyal to his team to keep coming back, right? But the Niners keep giving him a shot, and he is trusted by his teammates to be out there when he is out there. 
Um, when it comes to Ambry Thomas, can they survive going forward with him? My question to that is, how much better would he have been had he gotten starter reps as a rookie? You can live with a guy. I mean, how much better? I mean, could they have given him some? Well, obviously, the, the Lions game is not the case, but during the stretch of poor, you know, lesser pass catchers, right? Maybe got some more run against the Jags. Um, you know, even against you know, just give him some more run. Just don't pull the plug on him after one mistake. Yesterday, you had to live and die with his mistakes, right? And outside of outside of the touchdown to Chase that was dropped and the two penalties. Mm-hmm. D'Amico kind of had to hide him. He had the both corners be protected by the safeties. Ward and Tart had to to carry that. You know, they played the whole bunch of cover two and this shell type of defense um, yesterday. Can they survive? Yes, and this is where the pass rush comes in. But how often are you going to have that many pressures in a game to hide your secondary? Um, can they survive? Yes, because you're going to need the offense to control the clock, and dictate the tempo, force these other teams to have to go down and score quickly. If your defense can get these guys out off the field quickly, then maybe you can. Um, the hope is Emmanuel Mosley is back in a couple more weeks. Can they survive against Atlanta with him? Yeah. Can they survive Tennessee? Maybe. Can they survive Houston? Yeah, probably. I think the Rams one is where it kind of gets a little dicey, especially if that Rams one becomes something where you're you're fighting for that fifth seed. Um, so it's a yes and no answer with Ambry Thomas. I think it's all dependent on the matchup each week. But he does need to get these reps because you need to figure out if you are going to be drafting another corner or going on spending money. I think me and you can agree that they should draft another and spend more money on a corner, but they should also focus on developing Lenore and Ambry Thomas as well as they can. So it seems like the, the, the answer is yes by default because of the matchup. If if it was a Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, a Aaron Rodgers, all these other NFC quarterbacks, um, that maybe the answer is no. And I personally would lean to a no. Besides this game alone, Ambry Thomas has gave up nine receptions on ten targets with a tu- you know the last touchdown of this last game with the two pass interferences which took away a Jimmy Ward interception and took away a Nick Bosa sack. So, yes, by default, if the 49ers didn't come through and and Jimmy Garoppolo and the offense didn't go down there and get a game-winning drive, we could have looked back at this Bengals game and said, you know what, they lost, and a big part of that was because of Ambry Thomas. The touchdown to Jamar Chase, uh, which tied the game, I believe, at 20, um, taking away a Jimmy Ward interception, a Nick Bosa sack, and, and just overall 81 yards in coverage, perfect passer rating. Um, he's he's probably the, the, the person you could point at because they got every little thing that they can get out of that special teams unit with two fumble recoveries. So Ambry Thomas, uh, he needs to get it together because it, the answer is yes, but by default. Uh he, he needs to not get picked on here in the secondary in order for this defense to continue to to take offenses off the field. It looked like cover two helped him out a, a ton. Um, but if we're just expecting him to play a cover three role, it doesn't look like that's going to be, you know, where he's going to excel at is if you're expecting him to cover a deep third on the sideline. And, and we've seen it previously that, this guy needs time, and you're seeing why the 49ers are saying Ambry Thomas needs time because you insert him into a game, and then those are the results. Nine receptions on ten targets, while Dante Johnson had to us. We say, oh, he, you know, yeah, he, he hasn't been quite terrible. Well, actually, he's gave up 18 receptions on 21 targets as well. Uh, and the last game that we, we've seen him at in Seattle, while those may not have been big plays like it was against Diamador Lenore, it was still three receptions on three targets. And then his last start was against the Cardinals in week five, gave up nine receptions on nine targets. So the cornerback position is a big problem, whether it's Avery Thomas or Dante Johnson, because Dante Johnson has an NFL pass rating against so that's over a hundred as well. So that that's actually at 114.5, well over a hundred. 
So they 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 need Emmanuel Mosley back as soon as possible. Uh, blessings to Dante Johnson and his family. I don't want to sound disrespectful when I'm saying he's not the answer there. Um, if he's back this coming week, um, definitely uh, he could take all the time he needs in his mental recovery uh, with the loss of his mother. I, I cannot imagine, you know, it being in his shoes at that point. So well wishes to him, his family, his mental well-being. And we'll see this this cornerback position and, and what it curves into. It's If you got to play more cover two, go ahead and play more cover two by all means. It looked like Joe Burrow was struggling against it, and you would figure that the Falcons are going to struggle with it because you do have two top premier safeties. And don't get me started. Don't get me started on that safety <laughs> position with uh, you know the rotations that are going on there. Because I want yeah, to we'll ask you that. this next one. I want to ask you this next one. Okay. Where there's smoke, there's fire. We, we've all heard of that. Oh, God. So with that being said, is there any smoke? Are you going to buy Lisa walk off of Jimmy Garoppolo staying on this 49ers team in 2022? I promise you we don't want to talk Jimmy Garoppolo, but Peter King is saying this out there. It's becoming you know a, a topic of discussion. Buy Lisa walk off a lot on this one. Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback, <laughs> 49ers, 2022. Um, I'm going to be deemed a Jimmy Garoppolo hater after what I'm going to say. But I'm. this is absolute nonsense from Peter King. This is also, um, I am walking the lot, never coming back on this Jimmy Garoppolo thing. And this is not to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is a bad quarterback. The 49ers told you, told Jimmy Garoppolo, told the rest of the league, told its fan base what it thought of Jimmy Garoppolo. It thought of him to the point where they're going to trade three first-round picks and an additional third-rounder to trade up to replace the guy. We all heard about the offseason. Every available quarterback with two arms and two feet was in discussion with the 49ers or they had an interest. This, to me, with all this push from Peter King and maybe, you know, there's a couple other guys, Mike Silver and Rich Eisen, no disrespect to any of those guys. But for some of us, like myself, I see right through this. This is posturing by the 49ers. You are trying to drum up value. Tim Kawakami said something a couple weeks ago via, via tweet. Nothing anyone in the media says is going to change the value of a player. The league knows the value of said player. And Jimmy Garoppolo's value, according to Ian Rappaport a few weeks ago on KMBR, stated that the most recent offer for Jimmy Garoppolo was a third-round pick. Now, does that offer change with how poor this draft class is? Maybe. Maybe the Niners can get a little bit more. Does the, the cost to acquire Jimmy Garoppolo change if there is no Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson available or Derek Carr is, is moved, um, does it change his price because he might be the fourth or fifth option in type, type, you know, trying to acquire his services for another team? But in no world does it make sense for the 49ers to bring Jimmy Garoppolo back, regardless of what Jed York said about being willing to pay him back-to-back years. Kyle Shanahan looks like he's exhausted hearing about this quarterback discussion. Do we really think we're going to go through another 17 weeks and another offseason of having these questions, having these things over the team? Steve Young said it best. His team did not know what was next before that Rams game. You have a lame duck quarterback with a team that's trying to win now, and you have this young kid who is the future. You, you like, Where do you tie your loyalties to? right? Or who do you back? And what do you do here? What do you do there? Steve Young's not pulling that stuff from just thin air. And for Peter King to keep saying this, for you know Mike Silver to keep saying this, I'm not buying it. I'm walking off the lot with this. It makes zero sense to do this. The 49ers have holes on this roster that they need to fill with the money that they would save by letting Jimmy Garoppolo go via trade or cut. You need to get yourself another right tackle. You need to look at right guard because who knows the deal with um, Aaron Banks. If you don't get the right guard, okay, cool. Go get another center, your fifth center since you've been here, Kyle. Um, how about go acquire J.C. Jackson at corner? What are you going to do with strong safety? Is Kwaski back next year? 
You have a lot of questions on this roster. Can you go buy yourself a third third wide receiver, or is Juwan Jennings your answer? What about running back? Are they going to draft another one? Are they going to pay one? Because the Niners go, go through running backs like I change my shirts. I change my shirt every damn day. Every, t- every time you see another running back behind there. Kyle Shanahan has yet to have a 1,000-yard rusher. Elijah Mitchell's been banged up all season. Jeff Wilson tears his meniscus standing up. Trey Sermon injured on special teams. So now you're down to Jamichael Hasty, Brian Hill, and Debo Samuels, your other running back. There's a lot of holes in this team, and there's a lot of holes that can be filled by moving on from that Jimmy Garoppolo contract. A lot of this from Peter King is posturing. A lot of this from Peter King is doing the dirty work for John Lynch to get something out there to control a narrative, to create some type of discussion piece. But in all reality, these other GMs and head coaches know the value of Jimmy Garoppolo. Is he a bad quarterback? No. Is he a great quarterback? No. But can he be a bridge quarterback for a team like the Saints? Maybe. What about Washington? Absolutely. Philadelphia, the Giants. There's options here for Jimmy Garoppolo to go somewhere. The Niners are just trying to find the highest bidder. And that's what this is. That's fair. Man, I think about Jimmy Garoppolo on Washington, and I see them contending for a division title. I see Jimmy Garoppolo on the Saints. I see contending for a division title. Um, Look how many years Drew Brees was great with, you know, all these slant routes, underneath routes. Does Jimmy need to get a little better with linebackers in coverage? Absolutely. Um, But is there a high success chance of winning under that? Yes. Um, so then you say, Leo, well, you say that, why didn't the 49ers just keep him? Because to Kyle Shanahan, it was more about just winning. It was more, you know, there was availability that went along with it and there was ways he wants to enhance his offense. So 2019 doesn't happen all over again. Um, so that's why you want to go ahead and and make those moves and, and move on and just hit the reset button. If you're Kyle Shanahan, you brought up what the 49ers are going to do at strong safety. And it looks like they're trying to figure that out now. I'm going to go on my closing statement here. Oh, God. Here we go. Why is Kwaski Tart on the bench and Talanoa Hufanga on the field playing a high safety role? I I don't get it. I really don't get it. Uh, if you want to develop Hufanga, I like the kid. I think he could be good. But if you want to develop him and play him, sure, go ahead and do that. But don't take off one of the best strong safeties in coverage in the league to develop a day three pick. You're not doing that for Diamador Lenore. You're not even doing that for Trey Sermon. You, you're you not even doing that for Jalen Moore because you're saying, you know what, we're, gonna, we're just going to fully load in Compton. So you're not even doing it for these other guys. You're not even doing it for Trey Lance, who you gave up all that investment to. But you're doing it for... Talanoa Hufunga, and you're benching a quality starter on your elite, on your team. Um, over the past three weeks, Tart has gave up four receptions over the past three weeks, totaling for a total of 17 yards on four receptions. That's ridiculous. Um, so that's about four yards per reception. Insert Talanoa Hufunga. He's gave up six receptions, not a crazy amount more. But the yardage is there at 61 yards and two touchdowns allowed. That was the one to Adam Thielen in Minnesota. And a couple days ago, in coverage to Jamar Chase. But Leo, but but Leo, Joe Burrow had 13 seconds to throw the ball. You can't expect them to coverage. Stop it. Like, who are we trying to fool? It was just a breakdown play that a player like Jaquaski Tart has a lot of experience against a Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, all these other quarterbacks throughout the years, has a ton of experience in breakdown plays. And Jamar Chase just gave him a simple back of the end zone, I'm going to go one way, I'm going to go the other way, and just pivoted the other way, got himself like five yards of separation in the process, and scored the touchdown. And while we want to develop Talanoa Hufanga, well, you know, maybe we put him in the box a little more. Put him in for Marcel Harris. Maybe even put him in for uh, uh, Demetrius Finnegan Foles on third and longs. Let him, you know, stay in that middle range of the field. But we're we're expecting him to cover the high, play high safety now. Two touchdowns in three weeks. When is it going to burn you? 
If if they yeah. had a Bengals game, would we say it had burned them? I, I might have. I might say that have burned them. The two touchdowns that the 49ers gave up on defense was against two rookies in coverage. So, you know, it, it it's not falling over the defense. They had a hell of a game. It's rookies being rookies. That's part of the, the growing process. But you do not bench Tart for for Hufunga. You don't do it. It's not there in coverage. It's not. It has never been there. So, yeah. you know, you play your best guys. We've heard from Kyle Shanahan. He, when in terms of the quarterback position, he gives us the best chance to win. Why is it not that at safety? How, yeah. how, how many touchdowns does Hufunga need to give up until we see it? Once again, I don't want to sound like a hater. I like Ufunga. I hope he develops into a fine safety. But at the moment, Jaquaski Tart is a hell of an upgrade over Hufunga. He he's yeah. he's, not, he's a would the Bills bench Micah Hyde for a fifth round pick? No. You know, Tart's not Buddha Baker, but you know, and Hufunga's not a third round pick. Let's just say would the Cardinals bench Buddha Baker for a third round pick? That's two rounds higher than Hufunga. No. So why are we doing that for Tart? I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. No, I don't get it either. And, you know, this is one where you have a better option as a, in a veteran, right? The, at corner, you don't really have a better option on Sunday because Dante Johnson was out and Emmanuel Mosey's out. So you're with Ambry Thomas or Lenore. Those are your options. With Hufunga and the Tart rotation, I don't care for it at times. It just doesn't make sense. Especially, it's like a series here, then you got two series of Tar, then one series of Hufanga. It's like, I get it, you want to get this guy reps and things like that, but we also know that he wasn't very good in coverage. That's just like, he's a lot, he's he, he's limited in coverage. It's not a bad thing. It just is what it is. Um, Tar is just a much better, much better option in pass protect, you know, in, in, in the past game. So, going forward, I'd like to see a little bit less of Hufanga in coverage. Am I going to completely dog him for the touchdown? Not really. A lot of guys can't cover Jamar Chase. Like Jamar Chase was he, you know, he ate Jair Alexander's lunch and Eric Stokes' lunch. He's he's got busy on a whole bunch of teams this year. So <clears throat> he got Henry Thomas. He got Henry Thomas's lunch. He got Marlon Humphrey. You know, so Jamar Chase is gonna do those things. Is Kwaski an upgrade? Will he know where to be a little more? Yes. This is this is a this, this is, is my, this is my thing. It's yes, it's Jamar Chase, but do I think it's the same result if Kwaski's in? No, I think it's a different result if Kwaski's in. So That's fair. I, I don't think it's necessarily so much of Hufanga's batting coverage. No, it's not that. I just think it's a different result if Tart's in. That's all it is. So let's go with the better result. That's fair. I'm not I won't argue with you on that one. I, I've been like this with Hufanga since they drafted him. I always I just thought he was a career special teamer and a spot starter if need be. Um the way, you know he's been successful. I, I'm not going to completely dump on the guy. He's had some really good plays, but yeah, this is really this is nut cut really good plays in the blocks. Yeah, this is this is nut cutting time for the Niners. Right, you got four games. Mm-hmm. Your margin of error is zero, and that could be the difference in winning and losing at times. If you have a guy make a mistake like that, you can survive some of these mistakes. You know this Ambry Thomas thing. We'll see how this goes because he falls in the same category as Hufanga. Rookie mistakes, these things you you don't have very many. You don't have any other better veteran options right now. But at least with safety, you do have the veteran option of Kwaski Tart. Um, Tavarius Moore is probably more missed than we are giving credit to when it comes to this type of rotation with the safeties. You know, he he had his mistakes too, but I think he would be the better option going forward. That's a name we haven't heard in a while, so we'll see how he we, he recovers from this. We didn't release. even do this rotation with Tavarius Moore when Tart was in a contract year last year. We didn't yeah. even do this rotate. And Tarvarius Moore was a third round pick with with 2020 under contract and 2021 under contract. Let's find four, out what he speed. let's find out what he is. Four three speed, like you said. Didn't even do a rotation for him, but now we're doing a rotation for a four six fifth round pick in a rookie season when he's excelled in the box. So if you want to rotate him in, put him in the box. That's 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 all I'm saying with Tufang. I'm not saying keep him on the sideline. Just saying put him in the no. box. I don't want Tart. On the bench, if you're putting Hufanga at high safety, it makes no sense to me. It doesn't. I agree. I agree. The Niners did come out 26-23 in overtime against the Bengals. Moved to 7-6. and six. They are currently the six seeds. The Arizona Cardinals do fall to the Los Angeles Rams. 
So I don't think the Niners are going to catch the Rams for six seed now. Uh, the nine, the Rams are up two two games in the in the loss column. So we'll see how this goes. The Niners are currently the six seed, so they would be playing the Buck. No, the Packers. Three six would be the matchup there um, as it sits right now. So we'll see how this goes going forward. Niners have four games left. Hopefully they can finish out. Uh, two and two or three and one and get themselves into the playoffs. A winning season is all that I ask at this point for the 49ers. Do not, do not, do not, do not let the Seattle Seahawks somehow overtake you because you messed up on a, on a, a stupid game against Atlanta or Houston. But we'll be back next week. We do want to thank everybody at Niners Nation. I do, I do think the 49ers still have a chance for that fifth seed because you look at the Rams' schedule, they have the Vikings. They have the at Baltimore. They have the Seahawks, which it looks like Russ is starting to get hot. And then they oh, have God. the 49ers. So if the 49ers take business, take care of business against teams like the Falcons, the Texans, and a banged up Titans team, and then beat the Rams last game of the year, that's fifth seed, buddy. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Rams have to lose three games. No, just in one. the next four. Just one. 49ers win the tiebreaker. Yeah, but the Rams only have four losses. We have six. Yeah, so if the 49ers win out, Rams drop one of their last three. Including, okay, so, so they, have so they finish two and two. Finish two and two. And 49ers finish four and zero. Oh, 49ers get the, the, the five oh, seed. Yeah. That's, yeah, that makes sense. We'll see. I'm I'm not holding my breath for that. The, hard, we'll the hardest one on the schedule, like you you eliminate the Rams because that game's not relevant if you don't win the next three. Um, yeah. So the next the three Titans is, is, is the Titans, the short week, but I don't trust this Titans team. While many of us may not trust this 49ers team, Titans team is right there. They're, they lost okay. they lost to the Texans. Let's not forget that. They're right there. Without Derrick Henry, their winning we lost- is out what? the window. You know what? I don't. I don't want to talk about that. I don't. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I don't want to talk about it. Nope. Never okay. happened. Right. Never happened. Okay. It is what it is. I, Niners I are. Uh, talk to my lawyer. All right. Niners are seven and six. They are the sixth seed. They are back in the win column, over five hundred again for the season. Um, thank you to everyone who's tuned in to, to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. One million downloads on the year. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a great year. We hope to bring you more and more content going forward. Uh, while you're at it, please subscribe, rate, review, leave a comment in the comment section or review section, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out. Um, as always, I'm Javier. That is Leo. Follow me on Twitter at JavierVague underscore. Follow my guy Leo here at LeoLuna93. I love George Kittle. He does love George Kittle. Once again, buddy, congratulations on the baby. Thank you. And we'll be back before Christmas. Um, so everyone stay safe. Enjoy the holidays that are coming right around the corner. Um, you know, make your cookies, grab those gifts, do what you got to do. Um, but until then, everyone stay safe. Peace.